Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 and verse 1. Say amen when you have it. Well, there's one. Amen, amen. All right, Romans 6 and 1. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because y'all know me. I like the clarity in this here. Uh, <clears throat> well, then, should we keep on sinning that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? That's a question from Paul. We all know how Paul likes to write here. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Verse 5 says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Can you say amen to that? Amen. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That's a powerful statement. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. And now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12 says, do, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Amen, amen. All right. Who remembers the last time I taught on a Wednesday night? Anybody? Anybody? If you don't, that's okay. <sighs> We're getting into it. I started last, what, about a month and a half ago or so. Um, started, we started a series on salvation. Amen. And it seems like, oh, salvation, that's simple. Well, we've started diving in real deep to it here. Um, the first lesson I taught, if you remember, we started with repentance because you can't get to salvation without repentance, right? Um, so if you are a note taker, I encourage you, if you can, if, if you're willing, take some notes on this. My goal through this series is not just me preaching to the choir. I know that. My goal is so you can take this out and give a Bible study to your friends, to your family, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, and say, look, here's what we believe. Here's how you get to salvation. Here's what the Bible says about it. And maybe, just maybe, bring somebody to the Lord along with it. Amen, amen. So last, last lesson, our first lesson it was on repentance. Quick recap of it. We covered what repentance is, and what is repentance to you? Anybody? What's repentance? In your words, yeah, to, okay, to stop doing what, okay. What else? What's repentance to you? Yes, yes, 
Exactly. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's, in short, it's the turning away from sin, turning away from yourself, so to speak, your nature, because our nature is, is rooted in sin, right? Uh, we have to sacrifice ourselves. Paul said, I die daily. You know, so repentance is a daily thing. It's not a one and done. It's not a, hey, I can pick and choose which I'm going to repent of and what I'm not. Well, I like this sin. It's not that bad, so I'm going to keep it now. Repentance is the full 100% turning away from your sin, rejecting it and saying, God, I want, I want what I want what you want, Lord. I'm here for you. My eyes are on you and not on the world. Amen. Uh, we recovered what repentance is not. I mentioned it a little bit ago some. Uh, we also went into guilt. Feel, the feeling of guilt is not repentance. The feeling of shame for sin is not repentance. The feeling of remorse is not repentance because you can feel guilty. You can feel shameful. You can feel remorseful, yet you can still stay unrepentant. And I went into, we went into a lot of scripture on that. I'm not going to go into all of that. That's on our, on the church's website, cacsatx.com. Org. You can go there and look up the whole the whole podcast on there. I don't know. We spent an hour or so diving deep into it, um, but it's all on there. If you want to go back and refresh, or maybe you missed it, go back and take a listen. I think you'll be blessed. Amen. Oh, we also covered how to get to repentance. Uh, how it's not just a one and done event. It, Paul said, I die daily. It's a daily struggle that we have to go through, put ourselves aside every day, because sin is a powerful thing. It's always there. The devil's always there. I ah, just try a little bit of this. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. <sighs> Amen. And can you or can you, well, let me put it this way. Can you achieve salvation without repentance? No. Amen. Amen. You got to start there and, and work our way through. So the next step after repentance is what? Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, and I know you know it, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we covered repentance. The next logical step in this scenario would be baptism. Amen. Baptism. That's our, our lesson tonight. We're diving deep into baptism, okay? Uh, let's see. So what is baptism? Well, uh, baptism is in short and sweet and simple. It's being immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sin, the washing away of your sin, right? It's sin's power being broken. We just read that in Romans chapter 6. Christ died and was buried, and that broke the chains of sin. Uh, what baptism? What isn't baptism? Okay, we're diving kind of deep into some of this. It might seem like I'm kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit here, but it's all going to tie right together, I promise. So, okay, okay. Let's go. Well, let's see. We just read it. We just read it. Romans chapter 3, verses, or Romans chapter 6, rather, verses 3 and 4 says, Have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ in baptism? or that when we, we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. We died to our sins through repentance, right? We talked about that. You die to yourself. And what 
you die, you got to be buried, right? Right. So Christ died and was buried in the tomb for three days. We know that. So we are buried with him through baptism. That's you. you I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to back up a little bit, back up a little bit here. Uh, Matthew 3 and 16. I have a lot of scriptures here, so I apologize if I go kind of fast here. Um, I just, I have a lot of scripture and it's all really good scripture, okay? Not to toot my own horn or anything here. Three, Matthew 3, 16. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So we hear the, not to speak badly about the Catholic Church and about all these other people, but the world teaches that all oh, to be baptized, it's just you get a little bit of water and sprinkle everything on you and, and, and go, well, I'm here to be controversial to them and say, well, I beg to differ. If you, I, I don't like to be morbid here, but somebody dies, you bury them, you don't just set their casket on the ground and sprinkle a little bit of dirt on them. It just doesn't work, right? It's just not good, okay? You 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 bury that corpse, and 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 the stench of sin and uh, the stench of death and everything is is covered over, so to speak, by that dirt and everything. While we don't through baptism, through the submersion in water, it is not just covering up the stench and stain of sin. It's totally washing away the stench and stain of sin. Amen. 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 How do we know that baptism must be in water through submersion? Well, there's lots of scriptures. I had about 30 scriptures I could go through, but there's just so many I had to narrow it down a little bit here, okay? Um, so we just read it, Matthew 3 and 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. He was baptized, came up out of the water, okay? that's That tells us Jesus was baptized by submersion, right? Right? Um, and another example, Acts. Where am I at here? Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8 and verse 3. 38 uh, says, this is this story. We're jumping kind of right into the middle of it here. Um, Philip preaching to the eunuch there, and, and the eunuch's like, look, hey, <laughs> there's water. Why don't I get baptized? Okay. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 38 says, they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. They went into the water. They didn't bring a little bit of water to them and do this. They went into the water, submersion into the water. It's important. It's important. Okay. It's important. Uh, we also read it back in Romans 6, chapter 4. Uh, you're buried. You have to go underneath. Amen. 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 Uh, my, my, my. Uh, how do we achieve baptism? Well, you achieve it only after repentance. I, I, you know, people will tell you that, well, it doesn't really matter which direction you go, which order things go in. I'm here to tell you, and, and I don't have any specific 
100% groundbreaking facts on this. I have scripture and that ought to be good enough, but there's people who like to argue with it and go here. Um, you cannot achieve baptism without first repenting. If you're not sorry for your sins, if you don't die to your sins, what good is baptism? If there's not death involved, being buried is no good, right? Right. <sighs> Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 tells us first you must repent, then you must be baptized. Amen. First repent, then you be baptized. Got to die to yourself first and then be buried to your sins. Amen. <sighs> I submit to you that being baptized without first being in complete submission to your sins and completely turning away from your sin basically equals that the baptism is in vain. It's just you're getting a little wet. That's all you're doing. Okay. Might feel good on a hot summer day, but it does no good for your soul. Amen. Why is baptism important? And what is the purpose of baptism? These two go hand in hand here. John chapter three, John chapter three. Where are we at here? John three and three. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So can you make it to heaven without first being baptized? Can you make it to heaven without first repenting? Can you make it to heaven without first receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost? There's a process. It's important. It's important. Your soul depends on it. Amen. Your soul depends on it. Baptism is the new birth. Old things are gone. Behold, we are made new. Amen. And if it wasn't important, how, why did Jesus himself go and be baptized? Matthew 3, let's go over to Matthew 3, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. You, you people tell you Jesus wasn't ever baptized. Bring up this scripture right here. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John was like, wait, hold up just a minute here, Lord. I ought to be baptized by you. Not, not you know, what's going on? Uh, John tried to talk him out of it, said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? He was, he was like, wait a minute, something's not, something's kind of off here. What's going on? Verse 15 says, but Jesus said it should be done or it must be done for we must carry out all that God requires. That tells me we're not just making it up. That tells me the apostle Peter didn't just make it up on the day of Pentecost. Okay. Jesus said it. Jesus did it. It's got to be done. Amen. It's a requirement. You can't skip around. If you're trying to get a job and there's a list of requirements, you can't pick and choose which requirements you want to follow and which ones you don't. You're not going to have a job. Okay. This is not going to work. <sighs> <coughs> Pardon me, forgive my voice. It's pretty terrible tonight. Same in the book of Matthew. If you still think it's not a requirement, go over to Matthew 28 and verse 19. 
18. We are commanded, therefore go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to get into this here in a minute, but what is that name? That's right. Amen. Amen. So I ask again, if it's not important, why did Jesus do it? Amen. Amen. Uh, so not only is baptism important, the mode of baptism is also important. We've touched on it a little bit, but we're going to dive deep. Some people like to start arguments over this, but I submit to you, I have scripture to back it up, that this, the sprinkling of water does nothing more than get you a little wet. That's all it does, okay? You've got to be submerged, and not just submerged, it's got to be in the name of Jesus, amen, in the name of Jesus. There's something special about the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Jesus is God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is Jesus. These three are one. There is no if, and, buts, or maybes about it, okay? I would say that's in my humble opinion, but it's not so humble, and it's not an opinion. It's scripture. It's fact, okay? <sighs> Amen. To prove that, let's dive into this a little bit here, okay? Colossians 2 and 9, Paul states there, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. Speaking of Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. Matthew 28, 19, that we just read, does not say go out and baptize them in the names. It says in the name. Names is important. Their names is plural. It means there's multiple. It says in the name. Name is singular. One. The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. All these three equal one, and that's Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was God. He was all God and all flesh, all in one. Amen. Amen. That's hard for a lot of people to wrap their brains around. <sighs> We're diving into it. We're diving into it, okay? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are God. God, Jesus. Jesus is God. It all comes together. It's all one Jesus. Praise God. God, praise God. Exodus chapter 3. I told you we're bouncing around all over the place tonight, okay? Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. He was telling Moses, go talk to the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. He says they want proof, just tell them I am who I am. That's it. That's set in stone. Amen. God commanded Moses to tell Israel, I am had sent him. Amen. Because the Israelites were like, some man sent you. What's going on? No. He said it out. He said, no, tell him I am. That, that, that settles it right there. Amen. Praise God. John chapter 8. We're going all the way back. John chapter 8. <clears throat> 
and 54, 58, or a little bit of John chapter 8 and 54. Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it does not count, but it is my Father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you, but I do not know, or I'm sorry, but I do know and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. Amen, amen. Verse 57 there, the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say that you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered them. He said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Amen. That's saying I was there. Amen. He's saying, not saying it was somebody else. It was me. I was there. Amen. Praise God. Other manuscripts, I did some, some looking and stuff on here. And other manuscripts of that particular verse there, they, they read, before Abraham was even born, I have always been alive. That means he's been there through it all. Amen. He was there before the world was there. Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, 30, chapter 2 and verse 38, we all know it. We ought to know it by heart. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, what? In the name. What name? of Jesus Christ. Amen. It didn't say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It said go straight to the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 8. We're hopping back over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to verse 14. Okay. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Even the Samaritans knew. The Samaritans believed that it had to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Acts 19 and 5 says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The mode of baptism is important. Amen. It's important. John's followers in the book of Acts chapter 19. Since we're here, let's go ahead and hop over there. Acts chapter 19. I referenced it just a minute ago. Chapter 19 and verse 1 says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. So Paul preaching at Ephesus here um, on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he asked them, what baptism did you experience? They replied, the baptism of John. So they were John's followers. They hadn't heard the new, the good news yet. <clears throat> Verse 4 says, Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later. Speaking of Jesus Christ himself, John Baptist also said, I must decrease while he increases. Amen. 
As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You get the trend here where I'm going. You, you see, it's important. It's important. Praise God. Matthew 1 and 21, the angel talking to Joseph. We know that story very well as, as well. Uh, prophesying to Joseph, saying, hey, Mary's going to have a son. So she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Okay, that's Matthew 1 and 21. John chapter 5. I feel this one's important for us to actually pull up. John chapter 5. And verse 43, where am I at here? John 5 and 43 says, I've come to you in my father's name and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. Come in my father's name. That's Jesus saying, I've come in the name of Jesus. Okay, jump over to chapter 14 and verse 26 1426 when the father sends an advocate as my representative that is the holy spirit he will teach you everything and remind you of everything i have told you <clears throat> that's him saying look it's been said once it's going i'm going to say it again amen he's re re repetition is key in some of this okay repetition is key here Luke chapter 24, um, verse 45 to 47, Jesus opened the disciples' understanding, okay? He opened their understanding. In fact, let me pull that up real quick. Luke, 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 chapter 24, and we're going to verse 45. So if you, and, and if you back up a little bit on here, this story is really, really, it's deep, it's powerful. Um, Jesus appeared to the disciples here, and, and they were frightened, they were scared, they didn't really know what to do. Uh, Jesus tried to explain things to them in human terms the best he could, the best he could. Uh, you know, he showed them his hands and his feet. He's like, look, it's me. Here's the scars. I got the scars to prove it. Uh, verse 41 says they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. So they didn't, they, they, they were, their minds were spinning at about a thousand miles an hour. They're like, wait a minute, is this really true? I don't really know. Then you go down to verse 45, and it says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Amen. Verse 44 says, he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their understanding. That means it got to a point where he realized that human words weren't really going to cut it here. Amen. He used the power of the Holy Ghost to open their understanding. And friend, if there's confusion in this, if you have someone, a friend, a family member, a close somebody in your life who's like, wait a minute, how can that be true? How can what you believe be true? And you maybe you've tried explaining it every which way, up, down, left, right, you can think of. 
Pray, Lord, would you open their understanding? Amen. Open their understanding to it. Amen. If he can open the disciples' minds and their understanding, he can open ours. Amen. He can open ours. Verse 47 says, It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations. What's his name? Jesus, amen. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Amen. You got to repent. You will be forgiven. Then you got to be buried in Christ. Amen. 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 (sighs) Where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Amen. Repentance must be preached in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, another argument that I've heard over the years and I'm sure many of you have as well, is, ah, you know, Peter got up there and, and everybody can agree that Peter got up on the day of Pentecost. That's not really a sticking point. Yep, he got up there and preached. Where people start trying to talk, well, he, he just kind of got confused a little bit. He, he, he maybe he stumbled all over his words a little bit. Stuff. I beg to differ. Amen. Amen. Let's dive into it a little bit. Let's see. Acts chapter 10 and verse 48, Peter going to the house of Cornelius, um, who were Gentiles, okay? They weren't Jews, they were Gentiles. Peter goes and and he preaches the good news to them there, okay? This is post-day of Pentecost. He went, he preached the good news. And and I submit to you that in this time between the day of Pentecost and Acts chapter 2, and then Acts chapter 10. If Peter was wrong on the day of Pentecost, well, that kind of seems like there's ample time to fix what he messed up, right? If he was wrong on the day of Pentecost, why would he preach the same message to Cornelius? Okay, and think about it. Think about it. Where am I at? My notes here. Here we are. Matthew was present on the day of Pentecost. We see in Acts chapter 2, I think it's verse 11 or 12 or something right in there, you know, that that Peter got up and he was among all of the disciples. Well, last I checked, Matthew was one of the disciples, right? He was there, okay? Matthew was present on the day of Pentecost. Matthew preached it in Matthew 28, 19. We read it a little bit ago. It's a nearly identical message to what Peter preached, right? If Peter was wrong, Matthew was wrong, and you'd think, I I see Matthew was a pretty smart dude in the Bible, right? So if Peter was wrong, you would think logic would say Matthew would catch on and be like, hold on, we got to correct a few things here. But I don't see any scriptural evidence of it. And if there's no scriptural evidence of it, safe to say, it's right, okay? Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, verse 12, verse 16 Uh, We read a little bit of it a little bit ago. The Samaritans, they went to the Samaritans in Samaria. and They weren't Jews. We know that. They hated each other there, okay? Um, The the Samaritans even believed the message. Philip went and preached to them. Philip preached the same message that Peter preached. Uh, Not quite to the word exactly, but it was the same message. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost. It was the same message. Amen. The same message. And by this time, if Peter was wrong on the day of Pentecost, 
you'd think Philip would have been like, hold on a second, maybe we, we need to fix this a little bit. Yet again, I see no scriptural evidence that says that Philip said, hey, you're wrong, Peter, here's what's right. I don't see anything that's changed. Same message has been preached. Amen. Different wording, but it's the same message. Amen. Acts chapter 19 and verse 2, Paul preaching at Ephesus. We just read it a little bit ago as well. Paul preaching at Ephesus. This, by all historical accounts, was many, many, many years post-day of Pentecost. We don't know exactly how long, but it, was, it seems to have been quite a long time after the day of Pentecost. The message preached by Paul at Ephesus was the same message preached by Peter on the day of by Peter on the day of Pentecost same message years later different time frame different person different situation different country different city different everything different language same message same message amen if the message was the same back then the message is the same today amen praise god uh, whew, praise god some people like to say, well, maybe maybe Paul changed the formula to it a little bit. Same argument they use with Peter. Well, maybe Peter just messed up a little bit and changed a little something. <sighs> well, we know Paul was not among that original group of disciples on the day of Pentecost, right? We know the story leading up to that. Paul was persecuting all the Christians, wanted to kill everybody. Then on the road to, to what was it, Damascus, to Damascus um, the Lord said, hey, enough is enough. The Lord changed some things, okay? Um, so there, the years and years afterwards, um, the message is still the same, okay? He preached the same message even though he was not there. Galatians 1. This one is another good one. I really, really like the scripture a lot. Let's go there. Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. And we're going down where I'm at. Verse 11. This is Paul, okay? This is yet another message by Paul. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source. No one taught me this. Instead, I received it directly from the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. I received my message from no human source. No one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. He did not change the formula. Nothing changed. Amen. It was the same message. Colossians 3 and 17 says, whatsoever you do, do in whatsoever... Goodness gracious. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I submit to you that water baptism is done both in word and in deed. The word is it's preached to us in Acts chapter 2. You got to do it. Here's how you do it. And indeed, it's actually getting it done, going, being submerged in the water and having it done in the name of Jesus. Word and deed. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I'm almost done. I promise. I know I've had a bajillion scriptures here. We're almost done, okay? We're almost done. The church is built on the foundation laid out via the apostles and the prophets. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Christ is the chief cornerstone. Amen. The apostles not only talked the talk, but they walked the walk. They went out, they preached the word. They preached the commandment. Not only did they preach it, they lived it. They preached that you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. They themselves were baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. So they were not a do as I say and not as I do type of person. They were like, we're in this with you. We're doing this together. Let's get it done. Okay. Amen. I, I've done a lot of research in scripture, a lot, a lot of research. Read scripture. I'd grown up in the church from the time I was a baby. I've been to so many church services, heard sermons, so many sermons. I can't even name how many sermons I've listened to. Okay. And never, ever, not in any sermon I've ever heard preached, not in any scripture I've ever read, do I see where the disciples go and they baptize. Well, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I never see it. I see, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. They went and baptized them in the name of Jesus. It's important. Submersion in water is important. The name of Jesus is important. Amen, amen, amen. By baptizing in the name of Jesus, they were fulfilling the commandment set forth in Matthew 28, 19, which we read a little bit ago. Galatians 1 and 8, Paul writes, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's Paul warning. He says, this is the truth. We've preached the truth. And if you ever hear anything different, be warned. There's something wrong there. We're told to try the spirits. Amen. We're told, hey, if, if our gut says there's something not right about it, there's probably something not right about it. Okay. Amen. Paul warns us strictly of that. <sighs> Some say they will accept the words of Matthew in Matthew 28, 19. And I hear this a lot, right? Well, Matthew said in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, so they say, well, Matthew said it. I like Matthew better than Peter, so I'm not going to listen to Peter. I'm just going to listen to Matthew. Well, I don't know if you ever thought about, about it this way or not, but in Acts chapter 2, we see preceding the verses before 38. We see, in fact, let's go over there real quick. Let's go. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to start up on verse 1 here, Okay. On the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. In fact, let me turn it to the new uh, to the King James Version, because I like how that reads. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Amen. It filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3 says, There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is all before verse 38. This is all happened before Peter got up and preached. The anointing fell, then the word went out. I'm not saying Matthew wasn't anointed. Please don't, don't misconstrue that. Matthew was. Matthew was under the power of the Holy Ghost as well. But when the Holy Ghost fell, that was a new, from that point forward, God said, this is how it's going to be. 
Amen. Amen. The anointing fell, divine anointing fell from heaven. Once the anointing fell, Peter got up under that anointing. Peter didn't just think of this out of midair. He didn't go, oh, I'm going to tell him this. No, the Holy Ghost said, hey, here's what you got to tell him. This is what you've got to be. Amen. It's straight from the Holy Ghost. Peter didn't just think about it. Peter didn't have a little dartboard with a bunch of little sayings, and he threw a dart and said, hey, that's what I'm going to say. No, the Holy Ghost came right to him and said, here's the word. Preach the word. Amen. 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 We're closing. Would you stand with me? Would you stand? So all of that to say that it's not just human. It's not just me saying it. It's not just Pastor Nick saying it. It's not just some guy on a piece of paper here saying it. The Holy Ghost has commanded it. This is what it has to be. Baptism is important. Not only is baptism important, the mode in which baptism occurs is important. Amen. The name of Jesus is important. Water submersion is important. Why? You're buried in Christ. Your sins are washed away. It's impossible to be washed away if you're not in the water, okay? It's important. It's important. It's important. Peter spoke after the Holy Ghost fell. The anointing fell, then the word was preached. Peter was anointed and called of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then spoke the words impressed directly from the Holy Ghost. History tells us we see this a lot, too, and if you've done any deep dive into history, you'd see this, that it was not until many years after the time of the apostles, many years after the day of Pentecost, that the formula or the mode of baptism was changed. We see that here, okay? It got changed somehow to where we see it in the Catholic Church today. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, sprinkle a little bit of water and you're all good to go. Amen. That was changed. And if you want to see that, go to the Hastings Dictionary of the Bible, volume one, page 241. Okay, that tells us that, hey, there was a time in history. It really explains it all right there. Okay, Mark 7 and 8 says, laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The traditions of men. At some point in history, the tradition came in. And men said, no, we don't like what the Bible says. We're going to do it our own way. So my question to you here is this. What means more to you? The tradition of men or the commandments of God? Amen. 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 Praise God. That's all I have.